Amen. God is just good. It's good to see everybody here this morning. You're looking good. You smell good from what I can tell up here. Man, I'll tell you what, worshiping the Lord corporately, there's just nothing better. Amen? I mean, don't you look forward to that day that we're going to stand around His throne. We're going to worship Him. I'm believing for millions, billions of people. Some people that you think aren't going to be there, they may be there. We're going to worship Him together. Amen? And that's what we do here on the weekend. We come together. It's a little taste of heaven. But we are glad, again, that you are here. My name is Travis. I'm the young adult and youth pastor here at Church on the Rock. And I'm glad to be ministering to y'all this morning. Uh, as you know, Pastor John and Miss Linnell are out of town. We just want to continue to pray that they get refreshed and enjoy their family and have a great time. Amen. Pastor Mike's out of town. He's on vacation with his whole family, and uh, they're at the beach catching some, some rays and hopefully some fish for his sake, you know, and uh, hopefully they will get refreshed and just have a great time. So uh, basically, they tossed the keys to me and Nick, and uh, well, they told us not to, re to wreck the car, so uh, hopefully we'll be all right, but we are glad again that you're here. Uh, let's pray before we jump into the Word. Amen? Lord, we love you. We bless you. We thank you that you're a good daddy. You love us. Lord, you see us. And Lord, I just pray that this morning, uh, Lord, you'd continue to work on us. You'd continue to transform us. God, that we would go from glory to glory. God, that we would get closer to you. And Lord, if we don't want to go, that you'd pull us along. And uh, Lord, we just bless you today. I thank you that your word is not going to return void, that you're going to speak to us. And God, we say yes. Give us a heart of obedience. Give us a heart of yes. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Well, how many people in here are excited that it's summertime officially? It's been going on for a few weeks now. I know if you're a student in here, you are pumped up that it's summertime, all right? No school. Bowls of cereal at like 1 p.m., come on. You know, hanging out. Even if you're an adult, how many people know if you're an adult, we got to work. You're not off for the summer, right? But hopefully things slow down a little bit. Hopefully you'll get a weekend off or you'll go to the lake or take a vacation, enjoy your family. But what I love about summertime is summertime is the time that things slow down. They should slow down. The fall is crazy. The spring is crazy. And a lot of times, maybe if it's only for a few weeks in the summer, things slow down just a little bit. Life is crazy. Life is packed. But hopefully, you can find a little bit of time this summer to get recharged, to get re-energized, to get refreshed. Amen? And uh, that's what I'm believing. How many people in here, you remember the old gaming system called the Nintendo? Anybody in here? Some of y'all, I'm like, you have, how do you know what the Nintendo is? Some young people are like, what is that? we got some older people are like, what is that? You know? But the Nintendo, I can remember back in the day, it was popular in the 80s and 90s. And I can remember having a few sports games, and I was terrible at them. Everyone would always beat me. But uh, I would play this one game called Techno Bowl, and yeah. it was, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like, man, I can't believe y'all remember that. But I would play this game, and I was kind of... <laughs> I was kind of competitive, and uh, I'd play a computer, I'd play a buddy, and any time like something went wrong in the game, I'd get frustrated, and there was a little red button in the middle of the console, and it was called the reset button, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and so my buddy would, you know, score a touchdown on me, and real quick, I'd like hit the reset, and uh, obviously they would be mad at me, but the game would go from whatever the score was back to 0-0, zero, zero, Right? And so I say all that to say this morning, the summer is a time to reset. 
This is a season, I really believe, coming out of a crazy spring, coming out of a crazy fall. I believe over the next few weeks, this is a time to reset some things in our life. The summertime, as I said, it's a time to get restored, to get refreshed. It's a time to focus on the things that I believe that God wants us to focus on. So many times in our life, we can get so doing things and doing things and work and schedules and relationships and hobbies that things that should be the priority in our life, our relationship with God, our our walk with God, what God wants us to do, our relationship with our families and all that, a lot of times it can get pushed to the back. And I believe that what the Lord wants to speak to us today is he wants to evaluate our life. I believe that God wants us in some areas to reset some things that we've been doing and he wants us to focus on him. How many people know it's easy to get into the flow of life? It's easy to create habits. It's easy to create a lifestyle. And if you're not careful, your life can become a lifestyle that's not what God wants it to be. A lot of times we can be living our life and it doesn't have to be a bad life, but man, God is not anywhere in the picture. I don't know about you, but I don't want to get too busy with my life and doing things. And with the hectic world, I don't want to get lazy and complacent. And I don't want my lifestyle and my relationship with God to fade away. And I believe you're the same way. We want to go after God. We want God to do great things in our life. And that's what I'm going to be speaking about. You know, over the last few months, I've been here at Church on the Rock working here for about eight years. And I'd tell you, this season that we're in, I'm more excited about than any other season. You're seeing the fruit of God doing some things uh, in this body and in this community. Uh, You're seeing numerical growth, but more importantly, you're seeing spiritual growth. You're seeing people, the kingdom expand. You're seeing people mature. You're seeing people grow. And I'm telling you, it's so easy for the enemy to come in and distract us and get us offset from what God wants us to do. And I believe that the Lord wants us to reset some things so we continue to go after him. Amen? Amen. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Luke chapter 8, verse 22. And uh, we're going to look at a story about Jesus in here. And I want to encourage every person in here. I don't care if you're, you're, you're 8 or you're 80 or you're 100 or you're 35. It doesn't matter. God has a plan for your life right now. And God's plan is not for us just to go through the motions of life and live and die and have a job and have a vacation and have retirement. It's to be vibrant in what God wants us to do. It's to follow Him. It's to be directed by Him. Do you believe that God has a plan for your life? Do you believe that God wants to direct your life? He does. So a lot of us in here, I really believe that we need to evaluate this morning and maybe some things God wants to rearrange. Are we cool with that? Are we okay with that? I mean, we don't have it figured out, right? Has anybody here got it all figured out? We don't. Let's go after God. And I'm believing as we're listening to his word that he's going to move some things in our life and let's be obedient, okay? So let's read here. Luke chapter 8, verse 22. Let's jump in. It says, one day he, referring to Jesus, got into a boat with his disciples and he said to them, let us go across to the other side. Say the other side side. of the lake. So they set out and as they sailed, he fell asleep and a windstorm came down on the lake and they were filling with water and they were in danger. Let's stop right there. I want to ask everybody in this room this morning, have you ever been in a storm? Have you ever been in a storm? Have you ever been in a, in a thunderstorm? You ever been in a lightning storm? Anybody in here been in a hurricane? No, some of you are like, yeah. How many people, if you've been in this area, remember the ice storm of 2000? Man, I'm talking about that wasn't cool at all, was it? I mean, two, three, four weeks in some areas, no electricity. Oh my gosh, how are we going to live? You know what I mean? 
People jacking up prices of stuff, bottled waters like double the price. People selling, you know, generators for three and four times the price. Everybody trying to get rich off an of ice storm, right? But that was crazy. Every one of us in here, we've, we've been in physical storms before. But more importantly, let me ask you, have you ever been in an emotional storm? Have you ever been in a place in your life where things have been overwhelming? They've been crazy. They've been tough. Have you been there before? Maybe you lost your job. Maybe some crazy things went on with your family. Maybe you were a part of a divorce. Maybe your parents got divorced. Uh, maybe uh, someone close to you died. Maybe you or someone close to you was diagnosed with a disease. Maybe you did something really stupid and got in a lot of trouble. Maybe you got passed up for a promotion that you deserved. Has anyone in here been in a storm before? I'm talking about when you've been upset, where you didn't know, where you were wondering, God, where are you at? What's going on with my life? This is not what I've planned out. Have you been there? Life is just hard. Life is just messed up. Things at my house are just hard. Things with my relationships are hard. My family, things are just not going good. Things with my, my spouse are not going good. My job is just terrible. I hate it. I'm done. Have you been there before? You know, you don't have to, you know, answer out loud, but inside I want you to think about it. I'm just done. I'm done with this. I'm done trying. I'm done caring. I'm done trying to build this relationship that seems like it keeps going nowhere. And when I say done, I'm not talking about you actually quit church, you quit your relationship, go out and quit your job, but we've been there before where we've just been done and we just checked out. We're still going through the motions. We still show up. We're still at our house, but we've checked out. I think a lot of us, we've been there. We know what that's about. We say we're done. I've been there before. It's not a good place to be. Sometimes I bring things on myself. Sometimes life just happens. You realize that life happens. The Bible says it rains on the just and the, and the unjust. You can be godly and bad things happen in your life. You can be ungodly and good things happen in your life. But if you've been there before where you're just tired of it all, I'm going to refer to this place of confusion, this place of doubt, this place of fear, this place that's unsettling as the storm. And what tends to happen when you're in the storm is we get the tendency to quit. We get the tendency to become complacent. We get the tendency to get the case of what I like to call the I don't cares. I don't care about work. I don't care about school. I don't care about my job. I don't care about my family. I don't care about my spouse, whatever. We get the tendency to just, I don't care. I'm in a storm. Things are tough. I don't want to be here. Things are hard. And I just don't care. I'm in a storm. We've been there. Back to the story. Jesus is asleep on the boat. There's a huge storm. The disciples are, are wigging out. They're fearful. They think that they're going to die. And again, I love it. What's Jesus doing? Jesus is asleep. Don't you love Jesus? Disciples are panicking. They're throwing water out of the boat. They're like, you know, you know saying their prayers and all this stuff. And they think they're going to die. Jesus is asleep. I love Jesus. Man, Jesus is just cool. You know what I mean? He's cool under pressure. He's cooler than the other side of your pillow. You know what I mean? He's just cool. <laughs> don't, you, don't you love it that you serve a God that's just not like wishy-washy and freaking out about all the time? You know what I mean? Oh my gosh, you lost your job. Oh my gosh. You know, Jesus got it covered. If Jesus is on the boat with you, man, the boat's not going to sink. It might get wavy, you know what I mean? There might be some wind and some storms, but look, if Jesus is on the boat, the boat ain't going to sink because Jesus is on it. Jesus knows how to swim, but he's not going to fall in the water and drown, all right? So you aren't either. If he's in the boat with you, you're going to be all right, okay? I love Jesus. So the disciples, they think they're going to die. Look what happens, verse 24. 
It says, and they went and woke him up, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. And he awoke, he rebuked the wind and the raging waves, and they ceased, and there was a calm. And he said to them, where is your faith? And they were afraid, and they marveled, saying to one another, another, who then is this that he commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him? So they think they're about to die. Obviously, they don't know who's in the boat really with them, okay? So their fear wouldn't have been where it would have been. But they go and they wake Jesus up. Can you imagine that moment? You ever woke someone up and you were like, I don't want to do this, you know what I mean? Imagine this. This is Jesus, son of God. You got to go wake him up. Man, that'd have been like, you go wake him up. I don't want to wake him up. You wake him up. Let's just die. Let's before we wake him up. I don't want to wake Jesus up. So anyway, they wake Jesus up and Jesus does what Jesus does. He, he, he calms the storm, right? He brings peace to the storm. Jesus was never, he knew there was never danger. He's on the boat, but because he loved his disciples, he brought peace to them. You know what I mean? He was working something in them. For a moment, I want us to look at these disciples, these young men who have been walking with Jesus for three and a half years. When we get to this story, the story of the boat in the lake with the storm, most theologians would agree that the disciples have been walking with Jesus about a third of the time or a little over a year. During this year, let's look at the disciples. They've left everything. They left their job. They left their family. They left their friends. They didn't have any money. They didn't have girlfriends, okay? They're sleeping in different random places every night. And to make matters worse, now they're in a boat. It's windy. It's rainy. And they think they're going to die. How many people know that they're in a storm? And it's not just a physical storm. There's some emotional things that have to be going on with these disciples, You've got to be thinking that during their time with Jesus, things were not easy. Have you read the scripture? It's not like everywhere they went, people were like, come on, Jesus, come on in. Most of the places they went, they didn't want them. These are young men, and I don't have time to get into this. Most theologians would agree that all the disciples are under the age of 20 except for Peter. All right? They're young men. They've left everything. They're falling around this guy who everybody is skeptical about. Everywhere they're going, they're getting made fun of. They're getting mocked. People are laughing at them. You know there was a time with their journey with Jesus that they were thinking, we just want to go home. We're tired of this. Everywhere we go, people making fun of us. We're not making any money. We're not furthering our career. We're not being prestigious, okay? We don't have relationships right now. I guarantee it went through their mind, man, if we ever get out of this storm, we're going to jump ship. We're going to go to another ship. We're going to find another rabbi. We're going to do something, right? We're going to do something different. Jesus, get us to the other side and we're leaving you. I guarantee it went through their mind. Let's be honest. Has it ever went through your mind? Man, following Jesus, man, it's tough. Somebody who sold us the, the notion that following God was easy was lying. Life is hard in and of itself. And so many times we, I think we have, we're disillusioned. We think that, man, it's all, always sunny. It's always whatever. We live in a falling world. It's going to be dark more times than it's light in this life. But there's trust knowing that God is there. He will provide. He'll calm the storm. He will watch over us. He will take care of us, right? But you've got to believe these disciples, they were going through some emotional things. No one likes this. We're following this guy around. We're not even sure who he is. The Bible says they didn't even know really who he was. And to make matters worse, now they're in a rickety little boat. It's raining on them. They think they're going to die. It's like, Jesus, if you are the Son of God, how can we in this little bitty rickety boat? How about a yacht? How about a motor? 
teleport us to the other side. I mean, come on. They're frustrated. Have you been there before? Frustrated. Let's be honest. You ever been frustrated at God? Some of you are like, oh, no, no. I've never been frustrated at God. You're a liar. <laughs> come on. Seriously, if there's a time that they thought about quitting, man, this was it. Let's jump ahead. See, there was a storm, but let's see what happens on the other side. Luke 8, 26. It says, Then they sailed to the country of the, the Gerasenes, which is opposite of Galilee. When Jesus had stepped out on the land, there met him a man from the city who had demons. For a long time he wore no clothes, and he had not lived in a house but among the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him and said with a loud voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, the Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me. Let's look at verse 33. Then the demons came out of the man and entered the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and drowned. Let's stop here. Right after the storm, they go to the other side. And when they get to the other side, there's a man with demons. Jesus heals this man. This man ends up worshiping Jesus, all right? What I want us to understand and what I want us to see, catch this today, church. On the other side of the storm, there's always breakthrough if you won't give up. There's an other side. When you're in the storm, it seems like, man, this is never going to end. But let me tell you, there is another side. And once you get to the other side, there's breakthrough. On the other side of the storm, there's breakthrough. Everyone say the other side. Listen to me. But there's a requirement to get to the other side. And the other side is this. You got to stay in the boat with Jesus. You got to stay in the boat. You don't get to the other side unless you stay in the boat with Jesus. A lot of times we go through storms and look at me. A lot of you in here, you're going through a storm right now. There's been some bad things that have happened. There's been tragedy that has happened. Job loss, people dying. I'm telling you, bad things have happened. And I'm not here to downplay that at all, but my question is this. Are you still in the boat? Are you still in the boat? I'm not saying is life perfect, but are you still in the boat? And the reason I'm talking about all these things this morning is this. I feel like there's a lot of people in this room that over the last few months, there's been a lot of storms. There's been a lot of confusion. There's been a lot of fear. There's been a lot of uncertainty, maybe with work, maybe with a relationship, maybe with a spouse, maybe with your kids. Something tragic has happened. And I feel like this is several people in here as a result of this storm, as a result of this tragedy or whatever in your life. I believe some people have gotten in a rut. I believe some people have become complacent. I believe some people have stepped away from God. I believe some people's relationship with God has taken a back burner. And I believe a lot of us in here may have gotten the case of, I don't care. I'm not saying you're bad, but I'm saying because life has come, because the storm has come, because things have not worked out like we've thought, we've got this almost persona of, man, things are just tough right now. And I don't care. I'm in a storm and I just, I don't care. But the question is this, are you still in the boat? Even though things are tough, the waves are rocking that boat around, are you still in there? Are you still in there? Have you lost your faith? Have you lost your relationship with God? Have you given up? Look, the only requirement to get to the other side is not that you're good enough, smart enough, it's that you stay in the boat. Amen? You don't have to be the best. You don't have to be the brightest. You gotta stay in the boat. Because let me tell you, getting out of the boat is easy. Getting out of the boat is common. It's easy to see other boats and wanna jump in them. It's easy to see the leather seats and the screens, and man, this looks more appealing, and get over there. 
Let me tell you, it's easy to just quit on things. It's easy to get your relationship with God and just not even have one. It's easy. But the other boats and jumping ship will never compare to the other side. The other ships, the other things, the worldly stuff will never compare to the breakthrough on the other side. Listen to me, if the disciples would have left Jesus, they would have never seen the great things that he just did. They would never seen the man that had the demons cast out of him. They would have never been able to themselves right after this, they start praying for people and seeing them recover. They would have never seen Jesus die on the cross for the sins of mankind, and they would have never been a part of leading the early church when Jesus left. Here's the deal. What I want to do this morning is encourage you that there is breakthrough and there is another side. Jesus is still worth following, even if you're in the storm. Even if things are bad, even if things are not going the way you thought, and most of us in here, that's the case, right? Sometimes things don't go like we thought. But Jesus is still good. He's still as good and still as worthy of following as he was when you first got saved. He's still worth following like he was 2,000 years ago. He's still worth it. Do you believe that? It's worth staying in the boat because on the other side, there's breakthrough. On the other side, there's household salvations. On the other side, I'm telling you, there's freedom from addiction. On the other side, man, there's glory if you'll stay in the boat. Guys, look, I know God has something big in store for this church. I know he has something big in store for your life. The only thing that can deter what God wants to do in your life is me and you jumping out of a boat. Look, there's more to this life than just living and dying and retiring, right? There's more. There's passion that God wants to give us. There's discernment. There's reaching out of people that he wants us to do in our life. And here's the deal. Like I said, storms are going to come. Storms are happening. Storms are happening right now in the lives of a lot of people in this room. I want to give us four practical ways to stay in the boat during these seasons of our life. If you're in a storm right now, this is going to help you. If you've been in a storm, this is going to help you because you're probably going to go back into one one of these days. It might be 10 years, but there's going to be storms. I hate it. I don't understand why there are, but Jesus didn't say there weren't going to be storms. He said he'd be there with us, right? He said, you know, don't lose heart. I'm there. I've conquered the world. Here's the deal. I want to give us four practical things, four biblical ways to stay on the boat. Look, some of you in here, you need to hear this. There is another side. You just got to do your part, and that's stay in the boat. Amen? Yeah. We're going to look at four things. You know, as I'm just kind of even reading this story over the last, you know, few weeks, I'm thinking, Jesus, you're amazing, you're awesome, but how come, you know, with these disciples, you didn't just, how come they, they had the storm to even go through? You ever think that, man, God, how come you're taking me through this storm? How come you're doing this? And obviously, as we said earlier, there's, we live in a sinful, fallen world, and that's the reason a lot of bad things happen, but sometimes God will allow a storm to happen to test us, to test our faith. You know, why would he test these young men like this? Why were things so hard? I believe the answer is this. He was about to leave them, the church. He was about to put them over it, right? And he wanted to see who he could find faithful, Who's going to go to a, something else? Who's going to go back to an old way? Who's going to stay faithful? Let me tell you, the church now, 2,000 years later, is bigger, stronger, more vibrant, more gaining ground, I'm telling you, than ever before. God is looking for people that he can trust that won't give up. Amen? Amen. Let's look at four things. 
Number one, what's going to help you stay on the boat this year is not admiring Jesus, but following him. All right? It's not admiring Jesus. It's following him. Look, we need to admire Jesus. He's awesome. But that admiration should cause us and provoke us to follow him. The concept of following Jesus sounds simple, but this is actually where the line is drawn in the sand. Did you realize that Jesus never called us to be Christians? He called us to be followers. He doesn't care if we call ourselves Christians. Are you a follower of Christ? We live in a culture today where, what, some polls say 80, other polls say up to 90, 95% of this country professes to be Christians? The thing is, if a tree is known by its fruit, I would say those numbers are a little bit skewed, right? There's a difference between admiration and following. Admiration is to like, to appreciate, to hold in respect, to hold in high regard, to be impressed by which all those things Jesus are. The difference between following is this. Follow means to be devoted, to be committed, to be willing to surrender. Like I said, are you a follower or are you just a Christian? Because if you're a follower, that's what you've been called to do. Jesus said, if you're not willing to deny yourself, take up the cross and follow me, you're not worthy of me. And I feel like a lot of times we default to, I'm a Christian. And we use the litmus test of, I go to church a lot. I have a lot of Christian t-shirts. Or we, which is church is, it's important, right? We need to be here. But a lot of times we default to comparing ourselves to other people rather than Jesus. He's the one we follow. He's the one we look up to. He's the one that my mindset should be changing toward. He's the one that I should be transforming to. My actions should be those of Jesus. How I treat people should be those of Jesus. I should forgive because Jesus forgives. I should love people because Jesus loves people. I shouldn't be offended because Jesus wasn't offended, right? The question I want us to ask tonight and every day of our life is, am I looking like Jesus? Not a counterfeit that the world has tried to get us to believe, right? Am I a follower of Christ? How many people in here, this is a rhetorical question that preachers like to ask sometimes. How many people are familiar with Michael Jordan? We know him. One of the greatest basketball players of all time, if not the greatest championships, you know, amazing basketball player. When I was younger, I would watch the Chicago Bulls. I was in junior high and high school, and I would watch them play. I'd watch Michael score 30 or 40, get a title, do all that stuff. And sometimes it provoked me to go outside and shoot hoops, okay? <laughs> that normally lasted about five minutes. I was like, I want to be like Mike. I'd have my tongue out and had my Gatorade and all this. I admired him. You know what I'm saying? He was awesome. But normally after a few bricks, I'd go back inside and do something else. I liked him. I was a fan. There's other people that didn't just like him. They wanted to be him. You got the Colby Bryant. You got the LeBron Jameses. They didn't just say, oh, he's, he's cool and I admire him. They wanted to be like him. You know what I mean? Have you heard of Martin Luther King Jr.? Have you heard of him? People would say, man, he's awesome. He's a great guy. So much for the civil rights movement. People admired him. He had a lot of fans. He had a lot less people that were sitting in jail cells with him. You know what I mean? Mother Teresa. Man, awesome. People have her picture up. Admire her. She's amazing. Did so much for poor people. How many people sold everything that they owned, moved to Calcutta to live in the streets with poor people? There's a difference between admiration and following. And let me tell you, when you're in the storm and the waves are high and you lost your job and you don't know what's going on with your family, admiring Jesus is not going to get you through. Following him, it's the only thing. 
Are you following him? Are you seeking after him, right? How do you follow Jesus? First of all, you got to know who he is. You got to study him. Read the Bible, pray. Let me tell you in here, and you know, have I stepped on your toes yet? If, if not, we'll get there in a minute, probably. Stepping on my own toes. But here's the deal. If you haven't read your Bible in a year, six months, man, come on. Who are you following? If we don't pray, if we don't seek God, how, how, we're a Christian. We're not a follower. If you want to do something for God in this season of your life, if you want to get through the storm, if you want to stay in the boat, man, you've got to follow him, amen? amen? When the storms come, admiring is not going to cut it. That's the first point. Second point. Y'all good? The second thing that's going to help you stay in the boat this year and this season during the storm is to believe in yourself. Listen to me. This isn't some self-motivation, blah, blah, blah. But here's the deal. If Jesus is inside of me, I might not believe myself, but I can believe him in me. And he says, I am this. Here's the deal. A lot of you need to hear this. If you're walking around and, and you're saved and you believe that, you know, you're nothing, you can't do anything, I'm telling you what that is, is pride. Because you're saying the God who says he's in you, who's greater than he that's in the world, can't do what he said he can do, which is pride. I'm not saying in here I'm great. I'm not saying that you're great, but who's inside of us is. And he can do whatever he wants to do. He can use me. He can use you. He can use us all. And I feel like a lot of times we don't believe in ourselves at all. We think we walk around like we're the scum of the earth. Let me tell you, Jesus isn't scum. Jesus doesn't come and not to, he wants to transform us, amen? But Jesus came so we could have an abundant life. I was, uh, several months ago, I was reading this story. It was a story about a biology professor, professor in the university. This was an entry-level biology class, and 30 or 40 students were in there. It was taught by an old-school professor. who had been tenured 35, 40 years. He was old-school, okay? I'm talking about with lecture the whole time, sometimes just talking about nonsense, you know what I mean? But you better know the t- stuff for the test. There was four tests throughout the class. This was a professor that did not grade on the curve. You got what you got what you got, you know what I mean? He's old-school. It wasn't this, we're going to make everybody happy and all this. He was an old-school teacher. And so anyway, it was the end of the semester. They'd already taken three of the four tests, and two-thirds of the class was in danger of failing. They were right there teetering back and forth. They come in for the final test. The teacher has his aide close the door. They pass out the test. They turn them over where, you know, they're on their backside, and he addresses the class, the, the old professor, and he says, look, I'll be honest. Out of all the years that I've taught, this is by far the worst performing class that I've ever had. <laughs> and he said, a lot of it has to do with you. He said, but you know, I'm getting old and, and I, I'll take some of the responsibility myself. Two thirds of this class right now are in danger of failing. Two thirds of you, you know, you're probably gonna fail. He said, I'm gonna do something I've never done in all the years that I've taught. I feel bad. Maybe in my old age, I'm not as good a teacher as I was. I'm gonna do something. I'm gonna say this and I'm gonna say it one time. If you'll put your name on the back of the sheet of paper, you'll get up and you'll leave. I'll let you pass. You'll pass this semester. You'll pass with the D, but I'll let you pass. At that moment, everything was silent. About two-thirds of the class got up, they signed their name, and they walked out the door. All right? The professor had his uh, aide close the door. He went back in. He said, I want you to flip over uh, your test to about 10 of the classmates left. I want you to put your name on the front of it. And here's the deal. 
because you believed in yourself, you get an A, not just for this test, but for the class. Amen? That's awesome. I'm thinking, where were these teachers at when I was in school? You know, I was telling Whitney, I was like, man, that probably didn't even exist. That was probably a false story, you know? But seriously, do you believe in yourself? The problem that, that I had, especially when I was a younger Christian, is I, I just, I knew who I used to be, and I thought, man, I'm just going to fall. I'm just going to do this. I'm just going to do this anyway. I'm going to fall into sin anyway, so might as well not even try. Have you been there? I'm telling you, Jesus wants to do a transformation in our life, and we have to believe that he is who he said he is. It's not about our qualifications. It's about who he is, and he's qualified to do anything. And he can do it even in us. Let me tell you, when we're saved, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit wants to give us grace to overcome things in our life. Some of you in here, I'm telling you, you can be pure. You can be holy. You can be righteous. You can be a good parent. You can be a good spouse. The, God can work out the relationship between you and your husband. He can do it. This is a season, I'm telling you, to trust who Christ is inside of you. Amen? Believe who he is. And when you start believing him, you'll start believing who he said you can be. Amen? Receive that. Believe that Christ inside of you is great. Here's number three. You want to stay in the boat this year? This is simple. Don't quit. It's easy. Just don't quit. Let's be honest. We live in a tough world. I'm not downplaying that at all. There's pressure all around us. Pressure to make money. Pressure to have a career. Pressure to have savings. Pressure to have good kids. Pressure to have good relationships. Pressure to have a good relationship with your husband or wife. And it's so easy when things get hard just to quit. When you get in the storm, when confusion comes, when doubt comes, when fear comes, when there's uncertainty, it's easy just to quit. To quit school, to quit your job, to quit your relationship with God, which normally comes first, to quit your marriage, to quit your family. This is a year that if we will realize, man, if God has called us to something, man, we don't need to quit. Some of you in here, maybe you've quit something. Your passion is gone. Maybe you've even checked out of your family. Don't quit. Don't give up. Amen? Trust God. Trust God that he's going to get you through this. Trust that he can mend. Trust that he's a restorer. Trust that he can build back what's been broken and stolen. He can do it. Listen, discouragement and doubt, they're going to come. But this is why we have to stand firm on God's word. That's why you've got to read the word. You've got to devour the word. You've got to know the word. Amen? What has he called you to do? Man, if he's called you to do something and he's called us, you can read through the word and definitely see some of the things that he's called us all to do. Be disciples, reach out, serve people. Man, don't quit doing those things. Husband, he's called you to love your wife like Christ loved the church. Wives, he's called, called you to submit to your husband and love him, right? Support him. He's called us to be faithful. He's called us to be pure. We know he's called us to do these things. Don't quit. Hold on. Stay in the boat. Don't get off. It's easy to get off the boat. And listen to me, Satan wants to do everything possible he can to distract us, to discourage us for one purpose, it's so you'll quit. So you'll quit. So you'll quit praying, you'll quit reading, you'll check out, you won't, you know, be an influence in your kid's life, don't do it. This has got to be a year that we run faster, that we go harder, that we pursue harder, that we give more, that we serve more, that we love God more, that our relationship with God grows. Don't quit. As Nick and the band are coming up, I got one more point. Are y'all with me? Yes, sir. Here's number four. 
The fourth thing to help us stay in the boat this year, look, because there's going to be storms. The fourth thing is this, reach out. How many people know when we're in a storm, it's so easy to so inwardly focus on ourselves? We just look at ourselves, woe is me, woe is me. And look, woe is us sometimes. Things are hard, things are tough. But what I've found, and Scripture backs this up, reaching out, I'm telling you, sometimes it will get you out of the storm quicker than by not reaching out. Man, the disciples, once they got to the other side, I'm telling you, I believe the breakthrough came when they started to minister to other people. Yeah, they were still probably didn't know what was going on, but they started to see God work through them and God used them. Let me tell you, breakthrough comes through reaching out. We were at the nursing home the other day. We took about 20 high school and junior high students up there and, and uh, just went up there to, to hang out, to minister. We played some bingo. We sang some uh, off-key songs. Uh, we just hung out with them, you know? But there was this older man that was there and uh, I could barely understand him. I mean, I'm sure he had a little dementia or something like that. And, you know, he called me over there and he had this whole stack of papers just like this that he had colored. And it says, I go to church to worship God. It says Jesus here in his name at the bottom, Roger. And basically he said, I want to give these to your students. I I want them to have them. And he gave them to us. Obviously it blessed us. I gave them to our group Wednesday night. I gave them to our group Thursday night. This dude had colored about 500 of these, okay? So many times we're like, man, I can't reach out because I don't have enough money. I don't have enough time. I don't have enough education. I don't have enough gifting. I, don't, I can't sing. Who cares? This dude was reaching out to us. He didn't have money to give us. He didn't have a song to sing to us. He did what he could do at this time. I want to ask you tonight, man, when's the last time you reached out to somebody? When's the last time we were the church instead of attending church? When's the last time we said, you know what, I know I'm in a storm, but I know this person is too, and I can help them in this way. I'm telling you, let's reach out, amen? I want you to stay on your feet this morning. And I don't want you to check out for the next couple minutes. I know sometimes we stand up and we start, you know, we're done. Follow me for another minute. I want to have two prayers this morning. The first prayer is this. For those of us that are going through a storm right now in our life, that God would give us grace, he would bring peace, and he would help us. Is that okay? Let's throw our hands up, Lord. Lord, you see us, you know us. There's a lot of people in this room that are going through storms, that hard things are happening in their life, tough things, tragedy. People have gotten disease, Lord. People have died that we've loved. God, you know we're in a storm. God, I pray right now over my friends, over myself, that you would bring peace and calm to this storm. Lord, that you would give us grace to stay in the boat. Lord, that you would help us go after you. Lord, that you would help us cling to our faith. God, that you would give us boldness and strength to hang on. Lord, all my friends that are struggling right now, that there's any confusion, Lord, we pray peace. Lord, people that are depressed, we pray joy in Jesus' name. Lord, we trust that you're the God of the breakthrough and we trust you. Help us in Jesus' name. Amen. Look at me. Here's the second prayer I want to have. Man, the storm's coming. You're in it, whatever. It's already happened. And you say, you know what? I jumped out of the boat. Not saying you're a bad person, but man, the enemy, man, he did a number on me and I just stepped back and stepped back and stepped back. 
I want to pray if that's you, because we've all been there before. Come on. Let's quit acting like we're so super spiritual. We've all stepped out before. I want to pray, first of all, that we would repent and we'd get back in the boat. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, you see us, you know us. God, if we've, if we've checked out, if we've stepped away from you, if we've gotten out of the boat, first of all, we ask for forgiveness. God, we repent. We are sorry for putting other things above you. We're sorry for not trusting you. God, help us to get back in this boat. Help us to find faith in you. Lord, help us to trust you. God, we love you. We bless you. God, help us. Give us faith. God, I pray that even bad influences in our life, that we would separate ourselves and we would focus in on you. Jesus, we're coming back to you. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. I want my prayer team to come up real quick. Pastor Nick is going to lead us in just a couple moments of a song. Again, I want us to stay engaged. I want us to pray. Look, at the end of a message is the time that God a lot of times wants us to make a step towards Him. You know, if you need prayer for anything, something I've said, or or something that just the Holy Spirit was saying to you, we want to pray for you. But man, wherever you are right now, you can make an altar where you're at. God, I say yes to you in this area. God, I'm sorry in this area. God, help me in this area. God, restore my family, whatever. For the next moment or two, I want to do business with God. And here's the last question tonight. Man, you know, maybe you've never got in the boat with Jesus to begin with. Man, he's worth it. He's good. He's holy. He died for us, first of all, so we wouldn't have to go to hell, but so we could have a relationship with God on this earth. Man, he loves you so much. The Bible says all we have to do is repent, turn from our sin, and make him the Lord of our life. If you've never done that this morning, in just a second, Jason's going to be over there under the cross. Man, go over there to him. He will pray for you. We love you here, amen? Let's just go into a time of worship. The altars are open. If you need to make a commitment to Christ, head on over there. But let's all engage for one moment. Daily I'm constrained to be.